0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You kind of get caught up in the circus of it all. Oh, he's miming drunk driving. Look at these funny viral videos of him dancing or something. It's like, no, this guy helps appoint people to the police oversight board. He's the CEO of 50,000 people. Like he still is. That power was not stripped of him. He's the CEO of Toronto right now.
1: Welcome to the Vice Podcast Show. My name is Patrick McGuire and today our guest is Robin Doolittle, the author of Crazy Town and one of the few journalists in the world who have seen a video of Rob Ford, Mayor of Toronto, smoking crack.
0: Smoking out of what looks like a crack.
1: What (laughs) is probably, maybe, allegedly a crack pipe. Right. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. So one of the interesting things uh, your book goes through is that period of time when the star and Gawker broke the alleged crack video story and the time that Chief Phil Blair and then later Rob Ford actually admitted that you know he has used crack before. You say in your book that during that time the star lost hundreds of thousands of dollars of subscription revenue from people that just basically presumed the star was making the whole thing up. What was that period like in the newsroom and for you personally?
0: Uh, I didn't know about the subscriptions um, at the time, from where I was sitting. Uh, the period, the thing that was most upsetting for me, and I write about this in the book, was shortly after we reported on the the video. This poll came out that showed half of the city thought that the Star had made it up, and that was just like a completely perplexing and heartbreaking moment. Um, that people could think that that would be possible, that Gawker would break this story at 8.30, that the star would get together with all of its editors and lawyer and, uh, you know, another like the two reporters, myself and Kevin Donovan and say, okay, we're gonna make up that we've also seen it. Yeah. And so Gawker has this story, let's change a few details between our story and the Gawker story, like for instance, Gawker said, you know, Rob Ford said Pierre Trudeau is a fag. We're gonna say it's Justin Trudeau is a fag. Let's do that and then let's announce that we've seen it within an hour and then make up this story like that that people could think that the largest newspaper in the country would do that or that any newspaper in this country for that matter would do that with such a wake-up call I guess that people really don't understand how
1: how newsrooms work, and yeah, work, yeah. And, like how
0: seriously and we take our jobs and the great lengths that we go to to be fair. And so, part of the book—it's it, arranged, I guess, in two sections. The first part is, is sort of a political biography of Rob Ford and mm-hmm. explaining the genesis of the Ford family and their ideas of themselves as a political dynasty. And connections
1: to things like white supremacy and people getting shot in the face. drugs and guns,
0: and yeah, and then the second half is when I, I guess, sort of become a character in it and start uncovering all of this stuff um, and really pull back the curtain on what happens in a newsroom.
1: Now because so many people thought that this was some sort of media conspiracy, what does this say about the state of credibility for journalists today in Canada?
0: Um, it shows we have a lot of work to do. I, I do deal with that in the book. This, um, I think it was in 1985, Pew Research, which is a think tank in Washington, started studying media, the people's trust in the media. And I think it was like 55% of the public believed things that they read or watched in the media. And today that number is around 25%. Um, that's just a staggering amount, which means three-quarters of the population doesn't believe what's in the media. Um, and, and what I found was trying to figure out, like, how did this happen, like, where did we get to this point? And what you see is that as, especially the states, becomes more politically polarized, mm-hmm. and this is a period when it's never been more polarized, um, people trust the media less. And so I guess you can kind of see that if you are very entrenched in your views, you are less likely to, to believe um, stories that don't fit with those views. I guess it's kind of the assumption you can make from that. And, yeah, it's not, I mean, the New York Times, which is the gold standard of, of print media in the world, I think, along with The Guardian, um, is one of the least trusted in the States. It's, it's on par with Fox News and, and that... Because um
1: that's what the latte drinkers read.
0: Right, yeah. and, and uh, it's just an, it's astonishing, and we have a lot of work to do to, to really explain to people the lengths that we go to um, when we report and, and, and how... We, like, really I think, yeah, like be honest, and I, I quote numerous people who are far smarter than me in the book talking about this idea that journalists need to go out of their way to say this is, this is how we know what we know, this is what we don't know, this is um, what we did to learn this information, this is why we printed this and that will help kind of spark this dialogue uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you point to the American climate because you do make some allusions in the book and on your Daily Show interview to perhaps Canada moving towards a more polarized media Mm -hmm. environment. We're seeing Sun News already with its fairly uh, insane conspiratorial right-wing stories. Are you worried about us moving towards an even more polarized media climate?
0: Um, Yeah, I think that in, and I'm stealing this again from an person in the book who says mm-hmm. this that in many ways the states shows Canada its future. Um, Canadians are not as polarized as Americans uh, especially in terms of party loyalty. Um, we are kind of all over the place but we do because we watch so much American TV and read so much American news and American influence in terms of what we read and go to see at the movie theater. Um, we kind of do fall into to that ideas uh, to those ideas and I do think you see it with our media right now, especially with talk radio. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you're very critical of talk radio in the book.
0: Yeah, and like I think there's a place for talk radio. It's my issue, and it's not to blame talk radio per se, because uh, I do see the dilemma. If, you, if you're having a conversation with someone and someone says something that's not true, you don't necessarily have the benefit. You can't benefit. interact with the media. Right, you can't like Google, is that is that correct? Even having to do these interviews, you know, I'm a, I'm a print reporter, I, I'm used to being able to kind of check my facts, to just double check and not have to couch any, everything in like abouts, I think. A legend. Um, ale- yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I still will <won't> couch things in <laughs> a legend, but um, yeah, and with talk radio, it's just, it's not, the medium's not conducive to that. So I think that with with what we've seen with the, the Fords, especially with, you know, quote-unquote, Ford Nation calling in and repeating so many of these lies that the Fords say, when you say it over and over and over again, it sort of becomes true. And and yeah, with Sun News, um, it, I don't so much take issue at all with their, their daily news coverage, like during the day, but some of their... Pundits. Their pundits, yeah. They seem to very much be modeling the American style, which is conflict-based and um, us versus them and... Y- yeah, just staking out this position that um, seems rooted in anger, I guess is the best way to say it. Like, this is, this is the enemy and this is why,
1: Yeah. as opposed
0: to a discussion about something and thoughtful debate.
1: And just going back to that initial report that you put out uh, about the crack video, I mean, personally, you put your credibility on the line in a pretty serious way and you were receiving death threats, you mentioned in the book. I mean, what is, what is that like to deal with when you're, you know that you've seen... The city's mayor smoking yeah. what appears to be crack, and people don't believe you to the point of wanting to, you know, threaten you.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Both Kevin Donovan and I got death threats and threats into the newsroom. Uh, yeah. People always ask me like, "Oh, were well, you nervous? Like your credibility is on the line." It didn't. I, and I guess this is a testament to the Toronto Star and and how well they they back us. It didn't. It never occurred to me that my credibility was on the line. Right. I guess in some ways it was you knew kind what of you saw. yeah. I knew it was right. I knew it was true. And I knew that. Um, I knew that while people, even, even when I realized the public didn't believe us, when you sit down and actually have a conversation with someone and say, like, because I would encounter people, one night I was out at a, a bar with some friends and I heard a table beside us talking about how they didn't believe the story and I was like, I just need Did you to. Interject? I'll be right back. Yeah. So I went up and I sat down and I was, I didn't say who I was or anything, I was like, I'm sorry, I just, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but like, what is it about it that you don't believe? And they sort of caught on, like that who I was. Um, and when you actually talk it through, people like, so do you actually think that because Gawker Gawker printed this story first, you think that we pretended to see what Gawker had seen? Um, and then when you kind of piece it together, like there's this photo of the mayor with this guy who was recently killed in a shooting. The police think these two people are members of the Dixon City Bloods. This house in the background. The neighbors say is a crack house. Police documents say it's a crack house. He's hanging out with this guy Sandro Lisi, who's about to be charged with drug offenses and who has an a criminal. An extortion, like, an extortion. Like the facts, I think were always there. Like I wasn't worried about like being sued or anything like that. Like I knew.
1: Well, even now, obvious, I, I find there's sort of a problem with media literacy in this story because now that he's come out and admitted he smoked crack, the narrative is. Well, that's his personal problem. Everyone experiments with drugs, and they're sort of ignoring this whole criminal side of things.
0: I don't think that the media is anymore. I think that
1: I, I wouldn't say the media yeah, is, but, but regular
0: people, sure. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, I think, something that I try to do in the book is is underscore the seriousness of the situation. It's not. Um, you kind of get caught up in the circus of it all, oh, he's miming drunk driving, look at these funny viral videos of him dancing or something, and it's like... He's a good dancer. <laughs> I, I, I will disagree, yeah. I'm just kidding, yeah. no, he, he, looks, he looks like he's having fun, yeah, so that's I the know. important thing. Um, but you're
1: right, it's all these, these sort of nonsensical distractions Yeah, and it's and these silly things, and it's
0: like, oh, you know, he's just a guy. It's like, no, this guy helps appoint people to the police oversight board, He's the CEO of 50,000 people. Like he still is, that power was not stripped of him. He's the CEO of Toronto right now. Um, He is still the mayor. He helps decide the budget. Um, He is the figurehead in this city. And he has ties to an illegal street gang that's killing, well allegedly involved in all these shootings and trying to smuggle guns into the city. Um, He's opened himself up to blackmail. He's still hanging out with uh, Sandro Lisi who has been charged with extortion. He still is appearing out on the town with three times in the last few weeks looking
1: Intoxicated
0: out of it at least intoxicated. I mean, I think you can all look at those videos and make your own judgment like whether you think he's drunk or not, but um, this is still an ongoing problem. He doesn't seem to be changing and there's a real Seriousness to this story.
1: It almost seems like there's too much coming, like there's too much bandwidth of craziness sure. for people to really take the time to like parse out the seriousness of the situation. And it almost makes me wonder if if some of these, you know, incidents are strategically planned. Like I, w- I feel like it's giving him too much credit. But when he came out and made that comment, I've got more than enough to eat at home. Right. Like that just seemed so obviously crazy that it's hard to believe that there's not some sort of intention?
0: Well in the book I do try to lay out the fact that people think Rob Ford is dumb and Rob Ford is not dumb. Uh, he, he's not getting into Harvard anytime soon, fine, you know, I'm not getting into Harvard anytime soon either I'm sure, but um, he is a political genius I think, I think he knows exactly how to play the public, how to play the media, um, he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, so um, I, I can't you know speculate whether he did that on purpose, but I think so much of what you see with him is done on purpose. Like, for instance, the when when council was stripping his powers and Doug Ford, his brother, and the mayor started sort of fighting with the audience and carrying on, that to me seemed very... That's the thing that he knocked over
1: that poor right. old woman in, in the city council. Right, right? Yeah.
0: and uh, that to me seems very, like this is a conscious decision of their shaping themselves to look um, attacked and that they are you know, completely isolated and this horrible has has made them the enemy.
1: Yeah, and he runs into some really crazy dumb luck too. I mean, like the day the allegation came out that he has maybe orchestrated a complicated jailhouse beating that's left a guy with missing teeth and a broken leg, Justin Bieber turned himself in to the <laughs> Toronto Police, and the CBC News spent 20 minutes talking about Bieber in like four or five different segments. And then they just gave the, oh, uh, by the way, Rob Ford's been, you know, alleged of orchestrating a jailhouse beating and moving on to weather. Like it's... And part
0: cr- of it is, though, probably fatigue of like, totally. how much can you hear about this guy? Um, I still think, pe- pe- people always send me notes, like, why are you guys even covering this anymore? Like, quit showing up at his press conferences and like, if we actually did that, that would be the media conspiracy. If the media all got together and said, okay, we don't like this person, or we think this person's lying, so we're just not going to cover him, like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, he's the mayor, we're going to cover him, we're going to show up at his press conferences and report what he says. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the whole fatigue is... is the fourth fatigue the fa- is real, for yeah. sure. But to me, though, if you see what's happening now, there's been patterns before, and again, I won't pretend to be in his head, But there have been patterns of this before. He seems to be having a rough patch right now. He's had, like I said, three incidents in the last couple weeks. Um, The garrison ball, which is the first story that the star wrote about the fact that the mayor was asked to leave this military ball, that he'd shown up impaired, that his staff wanted him to go to rehab, that they they thought that he had a drinking problem. And And where he may have sexually
1: harassed. Sarah Thompson.
0: That was a couple weeks before, but so that incident and and whether you believe the Sarah Thompson claim or not, people there say he was in a state unbecoming of a mayor. There was that, the garrison ball, and the crack video all happened within a very short period of time. So he does have these sort of ups and downs. He seems to be on a down right now.
1: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think one of the big questions a lot of people have is will the public ever see the crack video? What needs to happen? for that to be released?
0: I I think, I think they will. I hope they do so much. Um, I can tell you eight different ways exactly what I saw and what it looked like, but until you actually see it with your own eyes, it's hard to really appreciate how crazy it is that that happened. The crack video is part of evidence in terms of Sandra Lisi's extortion case, so if that goes to a trial, it would be entered into evidence and available.
1: But if he decides to plead guilty and take maybe a lesser charge or something like that, it won't get out.
0: Um, I can't imagine that the crack video will never come out in some way or another. Um,
1: Well, especially with an election coming up. If someone is out there holding on to it, they...
0: I, I tend to think that the police and law firms have copies, but that's it. That it's not still in the... There aren't like you know lots of copies floating around the, this the community up in up in Rexdale.
1: No, I'm sure it would have leaked by now, and we are heading into an election uh, in October. There is a possibility that Rob Ford will continue to be the mayor of Toronto up until 2018. What do you think (laughs) needs to happen for that to occur?
0: Um, I think so. Yeah, part of the book I talk about. how is it that a guy like Rob Ford got elected in this city? This city, you know, I grew up in rural Ontario, and Toronto is always viewed as the left-wing, hippy-dippy, environmentalist, um, cultural, pretentious, blah, blah, blah. How is it that this guy get elected in in that city? Um, And so I talk about, The changing demographics and situation in Toronto it it all kind of goes back to amalgamation in the mid-1990s the conservative government of the day decided to save money that they would uh, merge Toronto a city of about 650,000 people with five municipalities around it we thought why do we need you know six finance officers and we can have one we'll just make it one city and there's no evidence that it actually did save money but that's what they did and they forever changed Politics in this city because suddenly this little Toronto city of Toronto 650,000 is now a city of 2.4 million Uh, It's it's getting up there towards 3 million now Mm -hmm. today and the old city of Toronto is completely outnumbered by the suburbs now and people in the suburbs have different needs and wants and expectations of their city and you know if you're in the suburbs you're much more concerned about roads being cleared and garbage pickup and what your cul-de-sac maintenance looks like, whereas downtown, you might be more interested in uh, bike lanes and the transit service and cultural initiatives. So it created this this fight, and that is what propelled Rob Ford to power. Downtown Toronto, the old city of Toronto, soundly rejected him in 2010, but they're outnumbered. Um, And that division still occurs today. So the question is, is there someone that can come along and pick up the Rob Ford political flag with and say, make the argument, I will do everything Rob Ford said he would do without all of the, the silliness?
1: Well, and it's a pretty tough battle for whoever this hypothetical candidate uh, is to fight, because, you know, Rob Ford is literally the biggest Canadian story to basically ever be reported by the American yeah. media. He's, he's the biggest celebrity in the country, arguably. And, you know, even that name recognition alone, for people that maybe don't necessarily think he's done anything too seriously wrong, will be a r- really hard mountain to climb.
0: Yeah, I personally don't think that his celebrity factor will play a big role in the polls. A lot of people have said that, mm-hmm. like, it's the culture of celebrity that's keeping him in power. And, and I, I think that the culture of celebrity is the reason so many people want to get pictures with him and cheer for him when he's um, showing up at football games and buy his bobblehead. Now, at the end of the day, do you really want that guy to be your mayor? Um, I don't know. I, I think that if people elect him, it will be because they believe that he is the one that's, that's going to look after the tax dollars the best. Rob Ford spent 10 years as a city councillor building this little army of supporters by phoning people back. Constituents would call and say, I have a problem, and he would show up at their door with, with staff in tow, ready to fix their issue. And they feel loyal to him for that. And, and I think that that's the real takeaway for so many other politicians, that people feel so completely ignored by their elected officials. That, and they see in Rob Ford, someone who will actually care, who will actually take the time to phone them back, and and they're willing to ignore all this other stuff because of that, so I think that if he wins again It will be one he has to clean up his act a little bit at least like yeah. he can't He can't keep having these situations that he's had the last couple of weeks But if he can clean up his act and lose weight and look like a different person and a changed person The divisions in Toronto plus he's sticking to his guns in terms of his political like pretty simple platform And if he keeps pumping this, I'm looking out for the little guy thing, I think that that's his pathway in. Plus if there's a crowded field, I mean we already have something like five people who will likely be running against him. Yeah, if we see a
1: bunch of split votes, then it's going to be a problem. Yeah, like he
0: won last time with 47% of the vote. So imagine now there are five, you know, like you have Olivia Chow, um, and John Tory, and Karen Stintz, and David Saknaki, and Denzel Min and Wong, and Rob Ford, I mean like, and then who knows if someone else jumps in.
1: So uh, some news came out this week. Thanks to you, there's going to be a Rob Ford movie.
0: Well, it's <coughs> it's a long way. I mean, it's just the rights, but yeah, yeah. But it's it's first step, the first step towards a movie.
1: How do you see that looking?
0: I don't know. I mean, I met with. It, it looked like people were like, "Oh, that was fast." It's actually been you know months in the making. Did you um, write
1: the <coughs> book, sort of like intending to maybe make some sort of deal? No, never. Yeah. Not
0: in a million years. And I didn't. I mean, I was I wasn't even thinking about writing a book either. Like I was approached to do it. Um, so this whole thing happened very quickly. But yeah, we've been doing meeting with producers for the last couple of months trying to figure out what the best fit would be, um, Blue Ice Pictures, um, and the producer Danny Iron. I just really, like he's from Toronto, he really cares about the city and he seemed to get the story in the same way that I got it. Um, there are elements of dark humor in this, of course, but um, this is also a story about a really <laughs> embattled... Mayor, that's part of this family that's very flawed that considers themselves to be a political dynasty. It's the yeah, the story Canadian of Kennedy thing Canadian is pretty Kennedy. rich. Um, this war, you know, with they that they created with a newspaper and then trying to out the truth. There's like a, a really rich story there as well. And um, when I asked, you know, what movie are you thinking of? Like what like what kind of thing are you thinking? And he said Game Change, which is to me, just perfect. That's exactly what this is. Is that is. the Palin bio? That's the Palin, right. yeah. yeah. I thought that that was it. Like th- that's what the book is. I mean, there, there is certainly new stuff in the book, but I think that the, the benefit of it is I go back to a lot of incidents that people might know stuff about, but didn't know the full backstory, like during the election, trying to get him elected and stuff that went down in the office. Yeah, like the
1: anecdote about Rob, uh, Doug Ford, Rob Ford's brother, showing up at the Winnebago that he bought with mm. campaign money and not telling anyone and branding it the Ford Mobile. I mean, I could see that playing out in a film. Yeah,
0: yeah. just little things like that. Um,
1: but I'm glad you brought up this struggle that the Fords have you know, been waging against, or this war the Fords have been waging against the star for a long time, because one of the things you point out that I'm sure a lot of people aren't fully aware of are the harsh and difficult to get around freedom of information laws in Canada. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people probably think we have a very open free press and there's transparency in government, but uh, as you and I and basically any other journalist in the city knows, that's not really true. How did that sort of impede, and how does that continue to impede your reporting on the Fords and the government at large?
0: Right, yeah, so um, it came up on on The Daily Show. As, as John Stewart asked me, as so many Americans do when I get interviewed in the States, how was it that this was, never came out before? Like, why did you guys not report on this? And it's difficult to explain. Well, it's really difficult because the, the, first off, the threshold legally to print things is much higher in Canada, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But, so for instance, in 2011, I hear that Rob Ford's in-laws have phoned 911 because they say that the mayor has taken his children, He's drunk, and he's driving them to the airport to take them to Florida against his wife's wishes. Um, And you can call the cops, and they won't even confirm that a phone call occurred. They won't confirm that they're investigating it. Um, They won't even tell you if a car was sent or what no charges were laid. Like They just, we can't comment on anything. And that's not the case in any other country that i that i called uh, or looked into or researched their their access laws canada has among the worst in the developed world in terms of freedom of information laws and part of that is because we were one of the first to adopt them
1: and they just haven't been and they just
0: haven't been updated, updated and there's a real worry in the community um, about reopening that debate because right now we have the harper government which is also very secretive um, if you open up the legislation, could it become tighter um, right and that's a
1: that's a pretty terrible fear
0: too and, and it's a but it's a really real one it is um Governments obviously are you know they'd love to not I think tell the public what they're doing behind closed doors and with everyone's money um, and as a journalist in this country it's it's really difficult to do our job properly
1: yeah they've they've made it that way, certainly. Yeah. Um one last question before we go. Who do you want to play Rob Ford in the film?
0: I always pictured Philip Seymour Hoffman playing him and I just find it um yeah because the Ford is I I don't see it as being a comedian or like someone that's funny because while he does funny things he's a really complicated character. Yeah. So it would need to be an actor who can kind of mix that A little bit of slapstick with this really complex, sometimes dark character. um, And I can't think of anybody else. Although I'm sure there are many. Philip team, Robin, would have been great. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately. Well, thanks, Robin.
0: Thanks for having me.